Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Wimlex podcast. In this episode, Alexander interviews Georgi Ganev, the CEO of Kinevik, or Chinevik as they say in Swedish. Kinevik is an early investor in companies like Zalando, West Wing and Tele2. And in this fireside, taken during the Digital Commerce Summit in Stockholm, Alexander and Georgi will discuss future trends in fashion and e-commerce. So sit back, relax and listen. Thank you very much, first of all, for inviting me. So, my name is Georgi Gianov. Uh, I'm the CEO for Shinovic. I've been in that position for about a year, starting in January last year. Um, if we go way back, I was actually fosters within the, the group of Shinovic. I joined Tele2 in the beginning of 2000, and then I worked for some various companies in the group, being outside the group, being CEO for, for one of uh, the larger e-commerce player in the Nordics, uh, and then I joined Chinevik. Uh, so basically, what we do at Chinevik, we are an 85 soon, young uh, years, young company, investment company, founded in 1936. And we invest basically in um, four sectors, TMT, e-commerce marketplaces, financial services, and healthcare. Uh, and we are proud of, of being part of building companies rather than just investing in companies and being close to our investees. Uh, we have always been uh, challengers, so we like to back challengers. Uh, it goes back to when Shinevik um, challenged the monopoly within media and later telecom in, in the Nordics, created companies like uh, MTG uh, and um, Tele2. Uh, also being pioneers of e-commerce, very early investors of Zalando. And today, as I said, we expanded into other other uh, sectors. And also the culture of Shinevik and Shinevik companies has always been to be very entrepreneurial. Uh, so we've had also uh, successful spin-outs from the company. So from MTG, uh, today we have seen companies like Metro, Clearo, obviously, and others, so it's also part of this entrepreneurial spirit that we have in the company. How many capital is uh, Genevic uh, managing? Uh, we have today a portfolio value um, as of today um, of roughly, I would say, 80 billion sec. 80 billion, uh, 8 billion euros, yeah, uh, yeah. More, more or less. Yeah. And uh, did your e-commerce uh, venture started with Zalando or did you uh, do some e-commerce? No, stuff much before? earlier, much earlier. Uh, I think we were definitely the pioneers uh, within MTG when CDON.com uh, was basically a, a uh, internal project within within MTG. Oh, okay. Uh, so that was when was it? That was in the early days. Um, I mean, I would say uh, maybe Marcus or Matthias knows that. 1999. 1999. Um, so the internet was around here in e-commerce. Uh, uh, 1999 already. Yeah. It's, uh, it's and of course, Salando uh, will be part of um, uh, since the early days. We we're one of the first investors. What was your investment hypothesis in uh, in e-commerce, uh, especially uh, around like the 2010s, 2011, when Salando became more important? Uh, because uh, you missed, I think, the first uh, 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 the first speech. Um, there was like a shift in uh, in the perception of retail models in e-commerce. So it was uh, uh, in 2008, 2009, there was like a big uh, 
uh, a big hope that there will be a lot of um, category killers online, fashion, matrix, bikes, whatever. And now it's all about uh, platforms. What was your portfolio approach, your investment approach like 10 years ago when you started with this, uh, uh, with, with this ventures? I mean, first of all, this industry was far less mature 10 years back. I mean, if we go back and look at everything that has happened, uh, there are so many new business opportunities and business models that we see today, which we can come back to and discuss. Uh, I mean, we can call them platforms, right? But I think the main observation from Shinovic's perspective was the, the shift from offline to online, whereas the customer basically saw advantages, advantages in convenience, transparency in pricing and so forth, buying online. And that's the mega trend that I think Shinovic took a real big bet on, uh, in combination, of course, with the team behind the company, which was also uh, the most important factor uh, in the investment with Zalando. Uh, and that's also kind of very much linked to the Shinovic DNA to see these mega trends, to see them actually from a customer point of view before they really take off and be hopefully then early in that investment. And we have to remember that. Shinovic has always been transforming its portfolio. So during these years, uh, some of the older assets were actually sold, like coarseness, the paper, paper industry business. And a lot of the capital was shifted in into the e-commerce businesses. And at that time, it was not that appreciated by shareholders because they didn't understand the trend. Okay. And today, I mean, the rest is history. And uh, if you compare the maturity level, uh, maturity level of um, the mega trend e-commerce uh, from the more developed market like Germany or the UK to a less developed market, from my perspective, to to Sweden, would you say Sweden is like two years behind, five years behind, or the same level as Germany? Because obviously the customers are probably looking out for the same convenience level, which you're wrapping up as a mega trend. I think the online penetration in certain categories um, are quite high in, in, in Sweden, but then there are certain sectors where we see a much lower penetration. But what's also obvious is that the whole platform model has not um, become as mature in the Nordics compared to other countries. And that can uh, relate to many things. One, one is obviously Amazon that you've been talked about, talking about uh, the day that, that Amazon have been driving that kind of platform thinking in other countries. Yeah, now in fashion, it's like uh, maybe we can deep dive first, like in this uh, your uh, your e-commerce uh, investments a little bit, and then we can uh, uh, um, um, think about the platform, uh, the platform stuff. So from this chart, so can everybody read this chart more or less? So investments, so it's on green stuff, disinvestments, uh, yellow stuff. Uh, is it I, I, uh, hopefully it's readable? And then here's like Zalando uh, is popping up in 2011, Home 24. Also a rocket internet uh, uh, business, um, online furniture. I don't know if it is Home24 active in uh, Sweden. No, I, I don't think so. But that was the same hope. The hope the, the, they tried to copy the success of the lander, saying okay, if it's kind of working for fashion, though it's going to be working for furniture also, because furniture is more or less the same size, the market size. It's about 70 billion, 40 to 70 billion, depending on which source you're trusting uh, uh, per year. Uh, uh, but didn't like fly like uh, uh, like like uh, uh, like Zalando. So um, obviously Zalando, your uh, your major stake you took in 2011 was like a good investment, like when you look at like mm -hmm. the development. But then you also invested in uh, um, in similar businesses like uh, Lazada, which is like a Zalando clone in um, in Russia, was it? I'm not sure. Oh, in Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia. So. And, and this is very interesting to understand like mega trends. So 
obviously you had a very good timing in uh, in uh, seeing the right player for the right mega trend here. Is this business easy to uh, uh, easy to uh, easy to copy for other markets and other mega trends, or is it like? Good luck to find such an. I mean, uh, first of all, I think we need to. This was well before my time, obviously, so I shouldn't take credit for that. But what I can say is that it's too easy to say there was a good timing and luck because when Shinovic invested in Zalando the first time, we didn't deploy all the capital. We deployed capital during the way. Yeah. And, and somewhere around 2012, if I'm not wrong, basically Shinovic deployed 272 million euros and then another 100 million euros the year after. So 372 million euros, quite a lot of money also for a company of Shinovic size into that business. And of course, doing that kind of large big bets is also shows that you have conviction in your idea and in your team running this business. Yeah. So it's one, it's one thing to actually spread some money out and be lucky and see what that investment takes you, but actually to really understand the model and stand behind it, that's a different thing. But even if you were not the driving force and not CEO at this time, uh, uh, what was the shareholder reception in 2011? Because it was really new, e-commerce was uh, not as mature as it is today. It was not clear if Zalando ever could turn out uh, no, I mean roughing and putting so much money even from a Shinovic perspective. So what was the perception of I mean, the sentiment was clearly really bad. Kind of, someone is sitting and smoking and inhaling at Chefsbrun. Uh, I'm joking, of course, but, but of course, that was the sentiment in the market that yeah. people did not really understand why do they deploy so much capital into this business that will never become profitable and is overvalued. That was the sentiment. And, uh, and I think for, for many people. Uh, but the conviction about the team, the conviction about this mega trend that is happening, whether we like it or not, uh, was so clear for Shinovic. So we continue to invest during these years, and the company grew into a, a, um, a leading uh, player in, in Europe. Yeah, yeah, a pretty much a leading player. What, 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 uh, and and y it's interesting you're bringing up Amazon. Though. What we're seeing with Amazon is uh, in their, in their uh, playing field, let's call it like marketplace uh, playing field, it seems to be winner-takes-it-all market. And uh, when we discuss with um, other stakeholders of the fashion industries, with the people from ASOS or about you, the industry, this, some believe that it might be the same for fashion because right now there's a uh, uh, couple of uh, online players putting a lot of money in um, customer acquisition on Google, Instagram, Facebook. And they say, okay, uh, the only thing in e-commerce where we really earn money is to build monopolies. So even if it's from a cartel perspective, not really uh, wished. So it, it makes sense from an investment perspective. Do you see uh, a trend or like a, a movement into the direction that you try to uh, try to build local monopolies, as we're seeing right now with delivery, uh, food delivery services, and then maybe uh, uh, you will be able to join forces with other companies that are uh, the local heroes in other markets, like in ASOS, for example, in the UK. Is that predictable, or is it like pure luck from the right shareholders at the right times uh, uh, meet? Is it something you can manage? No, I, I don't think so, really. I mean, we, we rather would like to look at the the company we invest in uh, and see that's either going to be very successful within, I within each niche, uh, whatever that is, or have something that is truly scalable uh, or cross-border and in maybe even into other sectors. If we look at Zalando, for instance, 
They've built up a, a platform that is, of course, extremely strong in Europe um, uh, with many loyal customers. And at their latest Capital Markets Day now, end of uh, February, they also disclosed the ambition to increase their partner program, so meaning the marketplace uh, part of the business. So in, in, in some years' time, in 23-24, of the total GMG, GMV will actually be on their partner program. And I think that's, that's definitely the right strategy. So they kind of leverage their position as a platform. And they say now that um, Zalando will rather be the starting point of fashion than a typical retailer. So if you compare yourself with Spotify, that will be the starting point of music, or Netflix being the starting point of movies. Zalando is the starting point of fashion. And of yeah. course, that, that's, a, that's a big bet. But, but I think when you are Zalando and you have that many customers and also traffic coming from unpaid sources, you have the customer data, you have the relations to the many brands, then you have the ability actually to build that position. Yeah, and I also read that they are getting rid of their own labels. Uh, it's, I think the company was called Z Labels. I don't know yeah. if you're aware of that, yeah. that uh, they created all these like standard internal labels uh, to compete with the uh, fashion branch uh, just in order to attract more real labels for the platform. Um, I think it's a combination of, of um, kind of underlining that they're an unbiased platform. But the other reason also, from my perspective, is to focus. Even if you're a large company, if you want to be really successful in your niche, you need to focus. And if you're going to be the platform of fashion or the starting point of fashion, it's very important that everyone in the company understands that. I would say that's also the only reason why Spotify, in my view, actually can have the chance to compete with giants because they are the best within music even if you compare them with a, s a company with Google size. And now I saw, we, I, I showed a shot with like the biggest e-commerce uh, businesses in, uh, in, uh, in Sweden. I don't know how accurate, uh, how accurate this is, but I think uh, Zalando was top five, top six or something. Um, uh, do you think there's, uh, there's like local players here from Sweden able to compete with uh, Zalando's or Amazon if it's coming uh, with the same force it was coming to Germany? You always have local assortment. You always have local knowledge that can be an advantage if you're here. There are many good players online, like Boost, uh, I would say, on, on, on clothes. Uh, Nelly for, for a certain segment um, with loyal customers. And of course, that is less, um, kind of it's, it's, it's more difficult if you're running the business from abroad. But what I've seen throughout the last maybe two years is that Zalando's been investing a lot in the Nordic region. First of all, in the fulfillment side, with a new center here outside Stockholm, and also assortment that is much more skewed towards the interest of, of, of the Swedish and the Nordic people. So, so over time, it's going to be difficult to, to leverage only on that kind of local, local knowledge. But is there like investment cases where we'd say, okay, I would invest like in a Stockholm or Sweden-based company, uh, heavily going into furniture or like other new assortments coming up now online where you say, okay, that there's enough potential here to grow from uh, Sweden, like Spotify did, uh, into the German markets? Or is it like, it's, it's like, because this investment is like already uh, nine years ago. So the market re really moved ahead. So what I'm saying, because, and here's a couple of retailers and manufacturers and uh, you have the money, uh, 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 literally. <laughs> so it's like cases where you would say, okay, I would put like a 50 million, 100 million check uh, on business uh, cases based in Sweden, 
because they are so so able to compete with these Alandos and Amazon, I believe in this kind of local advantage because I don't see any local advantage in assortment at all. Now, I, I mean, my point, maybe I was not clear. I think you can have that during a limited period of time, but mm. over time, I agree with you mm. that kind of um, that kind of capacity will not actually last forever, and and its scale ma scale matters. Today, I would rather focus on investments around the ecosystem of e-commerce. I mean, we talk about the platform um, model. Platform for me can be everything from a light marketplace where you just aggregate traffic, right, until a managed um, experience for the customers where we'll take responsibility for the whole value chain. And then you can have even the kind of Shopify or, or Ocado solutions where you sell your technology to other retailers that wants to go online. Mm. There are many things. And then on top of that, you have ecosystem as you know, payments or last mile logistics. And I think what Chinevik wants to leverage is its competence uh, and experience of being a pioneer within e-commerce since, since a long time and actually uh, identify opportunities around these platforms and invest in those rather than just go into a, a one-legged player yeah you're probably well very well connected to the boards of other swedish companies and uh, um, uh, we are very well connected to a lot of german uh, boards and um, when you're following the market as we are following the market and really try to understand what zalando and amazon is doing you're become kind of paranoid probably you i shared this paranoia with you in my <laughs> first presentation uh, uh, but when we are discussing this with board members from um, let's say um, uh, um, companies with an analog DNA, um, they are still thinking in their standard Boston Consulting McKinsey uh, PowerPoint sets and they, they don't fear an Amazon or Zalando for their category. Is it the same here in Sweden if you go to very big companies and discussing with them the effects of platform economies, Zalandos and Ama uh, Amazon, is there like a, a common understanding of these developments? I don't know if you can go that far that they say they don't fear. They understand that the consumers are, are moving into the online space. What I do see and do hear, however, and that's, that actually goes for a global perspective, is that everyone sitting on assets, especially if they are brick and mortar, wants to highlight them as an advantage in this transformation. And honestly, I have not seen one example globally of a company that has been transforming from an offline to an online or omni-channel model, whatever you call it, in a very successful way. One case that people talk about is actually Nordstrom in US, and they've spent many years, and they come out with more or less the same profits or slightly less after five, six years. So to build up a machine from the position where you actually have all these costs linked to stores, physical stores, and do that transformation is very difficult. Okay, but typically I when I meet people yeah. that have a lot of these stores, they want to have that cozy discussion in the boardroom that all of these things are actually assets, yeah. not the legacy that we're going to get, uh, have to get rid of. I agree 100% with the assessment, though there's not, not one case worldwide where an analog company transformed into a company that was able to get market share back from the Amazons or whoever attacked them. But... Um, what is then the um, strategy you would suggest for those companies? Try again? No, I think there's a different starting point. You have to do it in order to survive. It's a protective action. So it's a very defensive strategy. And you have no choice. 
And I think the opportunity for the pure players is actually to capture that window of opportunity where the offline players are actually still running around in circles with the consultants, as you referred to, and cannot really take that decision. That's your sweet spot. And I think if you look at Zalando, that's what they did until the large offline retailers started to realize that maybe online is just not a thing that will go away, but actually a way that customers prefer shopping. So, so, so I think that that is, that, is, um, that is what we've seen. And we will see it many more times now since the platform model will develop. Yeah. Do you see better chances for B2B-based businesses? B2B, I, I see basically no reason, reason for why the B2B business shouldn't develop in the same way. Uh, we're lagging uh, behind, and, and the main reason for that is that a lot of B2B sales, it's built up on relationship with a, with a sales force, and that sales force has a, a kind of connection and, and creates some loyalty to the customer or, or to the brand. But over time, that will also develop. I mean, we see Amazon for Business in US growing very, very fast. So especially for, I would say, the segment, small and medium-sized businesses, uh, we will definitely see similar platform solutions as we see for the consumer side. That's my, that's my, my view. What would be then your strategic advice to, and we have some retailers and manufacturers here, uh, smaller ones, and now Amazon is entering the market, uh, most probably, and uh, they will do it with force. What is your strategic advice in terms of uh, um, being successful as a business in 10 years from now? What should they do? Should they go on Amazon exclusively? Should they build their own e-commerce infrastructure? Should they partner up with uh, Zalando if they are in the fashion uh, industry? I don't think it's... Um there's no silver bullet out there that will solve everything in one go. I mean, I think we just heard a very interesting uh, experience from Happy Brush, right? That, that also being a market on the marketplace of Zam uh, Amazon can be challenging for, for several reasons. I didn't have a clue about this account being hacked and everything what that can lead to. But of course, you need to, my message is you need to think very carefully about your go-to-market strategy. And I actually don't think it's going to be one size fits all. You need most probably to find some kind of balance between all these channels. Okay, then let's go back uh, again to the bigger companies and where you're saying these are doing, the action is actually driven by fear, not by ambitions. Would be cool, but in 99% it's, uh, it's fear. What is the element that is hindering those businesses being successful? If they know the strategy, if uh, um, let's say they won't become a platform, uh, if they know the uh, the sheer momentum of Amazon and Zalando entering the market, well, what's hi what hinders them most? Is it like um, human resources? Is it uh, uh, um, execution capabilities? Is it uh, legacy infrastructure? Too many people involved uh, in the decision making? I think it boils down to execution at the end of the day because we know where this is going, right? And, and we can fool ourselves that it won't happen and so forth. But, but everyone knows that, that this business will just you know, develop in this, continue to develop in this direction. Mm -hmm. We need to kind of accept uh, these platforms that are out there, whether it's niched within fashion or if it's a generalist such as Amazon. A a and get your act together and basically execute on that, that uh, kind of multi-channel partner strategy is the, is, is the most important thing. Yeah. So is there a mega trend or a case uh, uh, 
you were not able to see early enough where you, see, where you would say today, okay, uh, uh, what the fuck, why haven't we not invested in ABC, whatever, which you oh. can remember? Oh, <laughs> I mean, uh, many, of course. Uh, I mean, as an investor, you, you see cases all the time where you either had opportunity to invest or you didn't see, you didn't take the time to basically look at them carefully. We can do it in alphabetical order if you want. You can start with A. So, I mean, Airbnb, <laughs> that would be a quite good company to be invested in early, in the early days. There was a chance for Chinevik to do this? Sorry? There was a chance for Chinevik? I mean, I think that Chinevik as a long-term investor with very patient capital and a good track record um, has the opportunity actually to invest in many companies. I don't say that we are welcome in all of them. Mm. And of course, the competition capital is out there. But we have something unique, I would say, in, 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 uh, in, um, in being this long-term capital, but still having the track record of, of building companies. And, you know, we can continue. B, Booking.com, would it be nice as well? Yeah. Another A yeah. is Adyen. So we haven't just come to C. So, I mean, there are many companies out there. And, of course, seeing what is happening in this, I call it, again, ecosystem. It's, it's a worn-out word, but, but still, um, I think it's our... Op it's our um, we have the opportunity, but it's also our obligation to, to look at adjacent investments around these ecosystems and, and, and do those investments early enough. I, is that then your now uh, investment hypothesis, uh, where you say, okay, the uh, first steps of e-commerce in, let's say, fashion and e maybe even furniture, consumer electronics, that is now so far developed, there's no there's no good investment opportunity anymore. Uh, so let's take it a, a step further and do like all the infrastructure around, could be even warehouse management, software or whatever is, is needed. Is that what you're looking for right now? I mean, again, we, we have our four sectors, as I said. So TMT, e-commerce marketplace, financial services and healthcare. And around those sectors, we try to understand the, the changes in customer consumer behaviors and what that will lead to. Uh, one example is our investments in a last-mile logistics company in Sweden called Budby. Uh, I mean, we all know that last-mile logistics is key to drive a high customer satisfaction. And with our knowledge of that and with our insight within e-commerce, we thought it would be interesting to actually to, to make that investment. We have continued in that space uh, and invested in, in two basically online grocers. So Colonial in, in, in Norway and Matam in Sweden. And the same thing there. We, I, I see that from a different point of view. Maybe that model is not scalable um, cross-border, but when you build that customer relationship and a local last-mile logistics, it's more like an infrastructure play. Mm. You have 20 houses on a street, and if you actually serve 10 of them with food deliveries maybe once a week, you have built up a relationship that is very difficult for the second, third, and fourth player to actually capture. So, so it's either that being very kind of rings-fenced where you do your investments, that is interesting for me, or you find an asset-light model that you can scale globally without that is not as capital-intense. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so we have clearly now taken a few bets during last year and early this year to um, continue investing in this space. Yeah. So if you're saying that uh, the biggest risk for um, older company is not finding the right way into execution, so even if they are the correct assets, what would you say then the biggest risk for a company like Zalando uh, when you're looking into the next five to ten years? Uh, clearly two risks uh, or two challenges, I would say. First of all, when you're growing your company, 
how do you keep your entrepreneurial spirit? How do you keep this fast uh, decision-making in mind? Uh, and I, I'm very impressed when I meet with the founders of Zalando and, and hear how they kind of talk about uh, the culture. And that's, that, of course, you need to have that tone from the top. But how do you kind of implement that culture and nurture that culture in a very large organization with layers of, of, of management and so forth? That's one thing. And Zalando is doing it still well? Uh, I mean, I think Zalando is, if you look at their numbers, uh, they're still a very impressive uh, company. I think they do well on the on the cultural aspect as yeah. well for being so large. But it's a it's a big challenge to keep that speed when you have new players coming up. The only thing you know with the new players, unfortunately, uh, luckily, is that they will also become large one day and then they will struggle. But the second thing is focus. Because I also think that it's it's easy when you grow to kick off so many different initiatives because you have the opportunity. You either have the cash flow or you have the, the venture capital coming in, whatever it is, right? So you can kick off all these things. And to prune your business, to constantly basically shut things down that do not work is, is also a challenge. Uh, and of course, when you have a larger organization as well, that, that many people want to protect their own kind of projects and businesses, that is something that, that I see companies uh, struggle with. Okay, yeah. very cool to know. Is there any questions uh, from the audience side? It's a very unique opportunity uh, uh, to ask one of the biggest uh, capital giver here <laughs> in Stockholm uh, as, um, interesting questions. Any question from your side? It's not so unique. They can call if they want. <laughs> yeah. Great. Not yet. So probably you're going to stay a little bit for, uh, for yep. lunch uh, uh, and, uh, and invite, you of invite you, of course, for the master classes. Uh, then you can uh, learn about the how to hack an Amazon account. Uh, I don't know if this is like an, uh, it's, uh, part of your master class, <laughs> Mark. Uh, uh, thanks a lot for your time. Thanks a lot for sharing your uh, insights on uh, Zalando and the market and the, um, uh, and the investment uh, view on, uh, on Chinewick. It's, uh, it's from my point of view, one of the most interesting cases to see how this market is um, um, developing because there's now some bigger players um, around and I, and I guess there will be some uh, uh, joint ventures in, in the future to earn more money out of, out of this. Uh, but I, uh, and I'm very, very uh, lucky that you're sharing more or less the same uh, core learnings in your uh, speech that I've shared before in terms of execution and, and speed, okay, uh, which I was given. And uh, we, we hadn't had a chance actually to talk before oh. the first time we are meeting here. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's not even... It's not even uh, either we're both right or both wrong. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, the market will prove uh, yeah. the market. Will Thank you very good. much, Alex. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks.